Welcome to And Almost Starring, the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And rock me Amadeus. We're looking at Amadeus. For better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. Emma Jo, how are you doing today? I'm fine, Jeff. How are you? I am good. I was trying to find a good, like, pithy quote from the film to use as my intro line, and I was just like, I'll just do Rock Me on Days. And, like, looking it up, I was like, oh. This song was the German band, literally inspired by the movie Amadeus. That's this came out like the next great. year. Well, yeah, I mean, because no one was calling him Amadeus before this film. <laughs> well, I don't know. Wolfgang Maybe in Germany, Mozart. that's like the no, cool thing no, to like, do. No, like I think it irritated people, honestly. Because people are like, no, everyone thinks of him as Amadeus. And he wasn't. He was Wolfgang. He was Wolfie. Wolfie. Um, I think more Oscar winning pictures need to have like a crazy German like pop Hondo. song based on it i mean that'd be imagine like some german band just being like rock me parasite like that'd be the (laughs) banger of the summer like i mean honestly there's a lot of inspo in that film rock me nomad land i mean (laughs) i'm more into the parasite (laughs) but sure absolutely uh listener if you aren't already smash that subscribe button subscribe uh tell a friend if you enjoy the show tell a foe and if you, yeah, if you hate the show, tell I a mean, foe. It, tell a frenemy. That's really what tell, this film's oh, all about. Oh, tell a frenemy. You can both bond. Bond with your frenemy over and almost starring. <laughs> Amadeus came out on September 19th, 1984, and was directed by Milo Schwarman and written by Peter Schaefer. Amy Jo, what's your experience with that Amadeus? Had you seen it before? I had, but I'd only seen this movie a couple of times. Um, and as we started watching it, I was like, why haven't I watched this movie a million times? It's so beautiful. And then as it got going, I was like, I remember I have avoided this film because it brings up a lot of feelings in me. Um, And I think I've shied away from it because I haven't wanted to sit with those feelings because I always do. Oh, sure, sure. And I had seen this before, maybe twice. I think I like enjoyed it fine the first time. And it was one of the ones like a few years later, I was like, yeah, I'll revisit this and enjoyed it. A lot uh, and loved it even more this time. Like really yeah. watching it this time, I was kind of bowled over. And we should say the only way we could watch this was the director's cut. I think the original, like for whatever reason, they didn't make an HD transfer, which is why you can't get it streaming, streaming. anywhere, which is But it doesn't feel bloated in No, any and way. we did watch it over the course of like two separate days That's true but even within that i could kind of feel i was like i had never had a moment where i was feeling the length where i was feeling like oh we, we could move we on there are a this. couple opera sequences that were like okay sure. we didn't need the whole thing and there's a few whatevers uh yeah it was like 20 minutes they cut which uh mila schwarman like purposefully cut like the director's cut he says is like how it was meant to be seen but, but he that knew that a three-hour Mozart movie might not have yeah. people coming out for, in droves. So he was like, let's cut this down now with always the intention being we'll restore. Yeah. Mainly, which we'll get into, is the subplot with uh, Mozart's wife, Constance, of her trying to, like, promote him for a position and Salieri being like, well, if you want it, you're going to have to sleep with me. All of that is just the director's cut. Thing. So that's all cut. So the ending 
with the moment with her and Salieri comes out of nowhere in the theatrical you of think her being. Never I don't met. have so, like sorry, I don't have a servant to show you to the door. Or if they have met, it's just like what is all this animosity towards him? Yeah, that is like such a beautiful payoff if you have because it's been like subplot. a good hour and change since we've yeah. seen that scene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I will say. Uh, probably about 10 years ago, I went in for a production of this, like a regional production of Amadeus. So I reread the play and I prefer the movie. Yeah. I've seen the play once. I saw a friend who was playing uh, Mozart in a like community theater production. And I was like, this is fine. But the movie, it's what a great adaptation of it's the play. Wonderfully adapted. I mean, I will say the play also came at a time and from a playwright who was much more experimental with form than, was in vogue or even is necessary to do on film you know i mean this is the same guy who wrote equus so he's playing with a heightened theatricality that you you don't need when you have i mean you obviously you can do anything you want with form on on camera but like you don't need this like hyper kind of like coming out of the experimental group theater like that vibe Right. To make right. this work on film because you can just go to the location and be like, here we are. <laughs> oh, you sure can. There were only a few sets that they had to build. Ugh. Like Sal- Salieri's, uh, like like the where he's mainly recounting the story because yeah, he's an old man. Yeah, his cell, uh, Mozart's apartment. But like a lot. And I think like the only the more like vaudeville theater where they're do where he start Mozart starts right. working near the end. But I think Does like the flute. bit. Yeah. But the big theater where you're seeing most of the performances, that's like an act. That's a real I theater. Mean, like those things gorgeous. are still around. Yeah. So why not be like, Hey, th- there's tourists that come through here every day. What? Why right, not a film right. crew? They, sh- they shot primarily in Prague, I believe to stand in for Vienna, sure. which is great. Cause there's so much for a lot, still, yeah available to you in terms mm-hmm. of like the structures which is i, I mean this movie is stunning gorgeous. if you've not seen a while this is one gorgeous film folks real fun to uh to revisit the um, acting tremendous yeah that that in terms of like because it's a traditional film in the sense of like we're not getting wild with the filmmaking but of, of their choice to make mozart very can feel very contemporary to feel like yeah as like reading some of the reviews of like ebert of like having him be this like straight out of like this is from someone that was like living in the 1960s of these of, of this like kind of proto yeah. like flower child almost um which i think works really well absolutely like it is a little sometimes jarring for me so many films like this like it's so funny as an american i expect to have I expect british accents and they're yeah. all like using their heart when they're in being like, you know vienna it's like well why would they be brits know, why does that difference? make it anything um like f marie abraham's doing like the slightest italian accent but it's it's more not just much. he's giving us like a slightly heightened extremely cultured vibe right but which tom is what salieri's trying tom to Pulse is mozart is just American all over the place. He's a, he's an apple pie playing baseball. That's what he looks like. He, he looks, looks like an apple, like an pie, apple playing pie playing baseball. baseball. Uh, spoilers ahead. If you haven't seen Amadeus or you haven't seen it in a while, here's a brief ish synopsis. Uh, we meet the elderly Antonio Salieri is recounting to a priest his claim that he murdered Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Hold, please. Hold okay. Him. This old age makeup is yeah. excellent, but I always it find is it until, until you think about F. Murray Abraham, what he looks like what today. I'm going to say is that <laughs> it's so interesting when you see, like we've talked about like with Maggie Smith and Hook, they did an excellent job at aging her up 
she looks now yeah. kind of like how she very similar Perfect. to how she looked Perfect. in Hook. Whereas so many of these guys, it's so clear he's got so much like padding rather than you know like to to put on top, so he's a little jowlier. All of this, whereas like F. Murray Abraham looks, I don't know, basically the same with wrinkles. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like and so it's. It, yeah, just lose the hair. Just lose the hair. He's a little gaunt, a little wrinkly. You know, but, as, mm-hmm, but it's, really, it's instead of F. this kind of like jowly, like I'm aware there's like ten pounds of prosthetics <laughs> on this man's face. So it's it's a really good effect, but it is always interesting to me when when you then see someone aged up and you're like, eh, this, this, they didn't predict. Oh, it's that. E- it's every time in Star Trek when they aged up Patrick Stewart and they're like, here's what he looks like. And it looks like a dying mummy. And you're like, no, no, no. He's literally going to look just like exactly this. Exactly. In 30 years. Same. <laughs> um, but yes, we meet Antonio Salieri. Uh, we see that in the past, Salieri was the court composer to Austrian emperor Joseph II, the emperor, a major patron of the arts, commissions Mozart to write opera in Vienna. Uh, and we're really just about that rivalry between Salieri and Mozart. Salieri is someone who, as he says, is like was blessed by God with the ability to like he- to appreciate yeah. music, but not with the actual ability to create I- I wrote himself this the way Mozart down can. Because yeah. this line like slapped me in the face. Why implement that des- why implant that desire like a lust in my body and mm. then deny me the talent? Mm. It's so this is like what, what one major reason why I find this movie like beautifully painful is because particularly when I was younger, like around the time when I would have seen this for the first time, like I've had such a strong relationship to mediocrity all of my life and like such a deep fear of it. Um, and which is wild to picture well, you fearing mediocrity, but, but sure, I, sure, sure, sure. I feel like so much, especially of my younger life was just like, fleeing from it but be being afraid i would always just be like saturated in it so seeing a movie like this particularly seeing when i was like probably like 21 was when i could not yet technically execute a lot of what i knew i wanted to be able to do as an artist sure um just like put me in a place (laughs) and i basically like this movie because it's seen from salieri's perspective yeah really plays with like the idea that there is this binary between greatness and mediocrity when I now have a far more (laughs) nuanced understanding of that. And it's like, I think it is kind of brilliantly set up because you have this person whose one desire is to be great. And then they are confronted with someone who is truly not even like one in a generation, one one in a century, but like once in a lifetime. Well, not even once in a like more than that like yeah, yeah. like w- one of the greatest talents True, totally and yeah. it was nurtured in such by, a way by that lifetime that i mean could... also our lifetime yes. i mean like for all time for all time and 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 it was also you know mozart's sister also a composer also a performer did she get a chance to reach those heights no because the brother's talent was nurtured like it's not like it's just mozart's talent that brought yeah. him to this place it's also he was put in a position for that to be and you're, sh- you're showing you're getting roy roy uh Dotris, yes, yes. Roy Dotris as Mozart's father is like when he's a kid is like great. We're having you play for kings yes. and popes, and meanwhile Salieri's father is like ah music, and then a miracle, and his dad just chokes to death. The the sense of humor in this movie, like I think, starting with the hungry clowns, starting with Vincent Chevalier, yes, always love seeing that Vincent Chevalier so subway ghost from Ghost, subway, but also it just like 
immediately if you think I'm sitting down to watch an important movie about classical right. music, it just like pops that balloon immediately. And Salieri's like locked himself in where you realize that he's because he's trying to slit his own throat. But on the outside, his like servants are just like, come on, open the door. We're going to eat all your food. They're, and they're like just eating donuts. On like, yeah, and it's so funny until you're like, oh, no, he, he's knifing himself in the neck. Yeah. But anyway, like uh, all that is to say, like watching Salieri turn from this like earnest, beautifully um, devout like servant of the Lord through music mm. to this hardened, cynical, like yeah. ve- vengeful man. Like even watching it now at a re- as someone who has a much healthier relationship to their, their self and talent and skill set. Still, I was like so emotional. The number of times I turned to you, I went, Oh, it hurts. <laughs> you know, it's, I think a lot of humans, but particularly a lot of artists really get caught up in this like total black and white thinking of like, yeah. you're either great or you're nothing. And this, this is, shows you the danger in that uh, feeling uh, yes. of, of the idea of that. Like I am devoting everything to being the best. And if I can't be the absolute best, I'm letting that curdle yeah. and just ruin my life. Whereas I think if say he had lived you know, at a time like right before, right after Mozart, Salieri, yeah, and had not been confronted like physically with this music, this human who is at odds with like what yeah. he thinks he should be bringing in. Like he might have been quite content because he thought it was good enough until he was shown again and again his own like insufficiency totally. in his own eyes. And it's just interesting to think about like what kicks that up in each of us, you know? Yeah. But what's so beautiful is the ending because we're we're really tracking Salieri like trying to find ways to undermine Mozart and try to like yeah. help him not get placed as like helping teach pu- pupils when he Mozart really needs money he's trying to help like bar him from the success that he as he that knows, knows that he should have yeah. as he's like reading his originals and it's just like it's marvelous like I, I can't even pretend that and these aren't these are good. just first drafts yeah but there's nothing scratched nothing out, scratched out. Just it's all came transplanted from his head. perfectly yeah. but that if, by the end like he we get this whole salary pretending to be this like rich benefactor that wants him to write a funeral mass with the idea being he's gonna kill mozart once it's done and steal it for himself and never actually has to murder him because by nature of forcing him to do this funeral mass it drives him mad dressed as his father and yeah yeah after mozart's father dies yeah he's dressing up in the same like halloween this like pageant masquerade costume that his father had if you're familiar with the poster it's that like silhouette from the posters yeah but uh he uh uses mozart's difficult relationship with his father and mozart's guilt over being a bad son to drive him into ill health that you're seeing him he's also he's getting drunker he's wandering around in like the snow he's getting like probably yeah. tuberculosis um everybody was getting that tuberculosis everyone was getting that tb uh but in that beautiful sequence of sally area of like helping Ugh. mozart like pen it down it's as genius you're simultaneously seeing sally like mozart clearly is about to die and he's like we could stop for a bit sally's like oh no i'm fine i'm fine let's keep going let's keep going and you're like how much of him is like aware I'm going to kill him by doing this? And how much is just like, I'm here as we're composing this together. And this is so brilliant. Like I can't not, I don't want to miss a moment. I think it's more that more the latter and seeing the two of them. kind, And you see Mozart kind of recognized within Salieri. Like as you have him, like, please f- forgive me Salieri for like not clearly judging you and like not appreciating you. You yeah. see him start to recognize Salieri is talented whether or not he's no mozart but is talented you see them like they're in a different world they could 
Although, of course, in real, this is all, of course, this movie is also based on like urban yes. legend. And in real life, they had a friendly working rivalry, but that was it. Yeah. Um, so, so we're all having fun with this movie, but you're seeing like the tragedy could be averted. Like they could yes. have formed come some together. kind of working partnership. They could have both benefited. Yeah. And we could have had Mozart for years to come and Salieri could have grown as an artist and given away in his resentments. And instead, uh, tragedy, Definitely. Mozart getting buried in a pauper's grave in the Just rain. dumped unceremoniously. I, that, that scene between the two of them, which is like truly my jaw was on the floor the whole time. The acting between the two of them, but the, the writing, the way it's all structured, the way it culminates in this scene where it's like you watch the ideas going from the musical idea is going from Mozart's head into Salieri's head into Salieri's pen. It's almost like Salieri is getting the experience of writing it. And yeah, I wrote down, yeah. and I thought this was quite profound because I capitalized it at the time. It's as close as he will ever get to God. <laughs> this is like Peter Schaefer. Okay. There's two great moments in that sequence that I wanted to highlight. Uh, I mean, hey, we got to say the sound in this movie, the sound mixing and editing of all of the times that people are composing and you're hearing the music as they're composing mm -hmm. is so incredible. And they have little earpieces for the actors oh. and to be able to time that out. Um, and so there's a moment near the beginning where Tom Hulse is just like, like key of, I think he's like key of a minor. And then he just pauses there until Salieri's like, yeah, yes, yes. And it's cause there was like a miscommunication. So he's literally just waiting for the command, but it looks like what what it's such a dynamic yes. moment and it's just because it's a mistake well but it works beautifully this is like in every acting class or whatever yeah. we'll be like you know instead of like you know you're just doing scene work in a class but instead of uh like oh sorry what's my line or right instead you of just dropping, go just with like, it live in that moment because you never know what might actually come of it and you see on film because yeah. it's if you can capture it how often those things get folded in thinking back to arthur where like the guy's like enough with the moose right. like that, that being <laughs> just his genuine reaction but it being so funny oh it's so good and then later when salary is like you're going too fast you're going too fast is because tom hulse was purposefully skipping lines to throw off F. Murray Abraham. Oh. So he literally is like, where, where, I don't know where we are. Uh, and it just, it played, I forget if that was Milo Schwarman telling him to do that. Uh -huh, it poss uh -huh. quite possibly was, which sometimes I'm like, don't be, actors are good at acting. But especially so F. Yeah. Murray Abraham. Yeah. But it does, it this plays is. so well. It plays so well. Uh, so, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty that's much movie it. in a nutshell. And we get <laughs> Mozart's wife, Constance. You're seeing her. She's so young. She looks even younger. I think the actress was like 21, 22. Yeah, she looks 11. She looks a babe. A wee um, babe. And uh, we haven't really touched on her because, I mean, to me, some of her most important stuff is not in the well, theatrical, and apparently. It's but. really yeah, it's it, and not just the theatrical cut, but the theatrical play as well. Like, oh yes, it really because yes, yes, yes. I I think I went in basically. It's like those two roles are the big roles, the yeah. Mozart and Salieri, and everyone else is kind of like glorified ensemble type thing. Totally. And so I think I went in for the wife. It was that audition that made me start writing. I was six feet tall on my resume because I I really saw them. They called me in, and it said like five foot eleven and a half or something on my resume. And then I I walked in and I saw them like look up and down and go. Huh. I was like, you know, if I just put six foot on here, you would expect something tall to walk in. And then maybe we would not have this moment of like, well, we've wasted everyone's time. Oh, brother. Like, but, it, you know, if especially if your Mozart's supposed to be a smaller man, like, why not cast a giant to why play not? the wife, you know? Just be rocking Mozart like a little baby. Aww. Uh, 
Um, we've pretty much been chatting already, but uh, initial thoughts, anything about this this go-round that popped out that you want to chat I think about? I, I had a sim- so many similar experiences to you where it's just like, I remember liking it, but mm-hmm. I don't, when, when you posited this as a film to do, it's like, oh, that'd be great. That'll be like really great. But I didn't, I wasn't like, oh, I can't wait to rewatch this movie. Like, I was just kind of like, okay, we'll watch it. It'll be good. And from the first frame, uh, and I, I was just like, wait. I forgot yeah. this movie was this good. Yeah. You know? I always just assumed one flow of the cuckoo's nest was Milo Schwarman's like best movie. And it is really good. A previous episode listener, check it out. Hey-o. Um, but this to me, and I mean both best picture winners, but like this to me is such a masterpiece. Like this, I could watch again tomorrow. So, so it just, lo- the look of it, I the think this is look of as it. much as you and I like like a gritty movie. I think we also, we love a lush <laughs> I, I love both. a lush period piece. Sure, sure. You know? uh, the wigs. The wigs. The wi- yeah. I had such wig envy. I was sure. like, I want a wig, you know, two feet tall. You're like Mozart. I wish I had three heads. I could wear all these wigs. <laughs> That's very, very bad. Uh, my thought. My initial thought was looking specifically at F. Murray Abraham in this old age makeup, where I'm like, they instead of getting another actor to play old Salieri, they use the makeup. And for whatever reason, I was just thinking of a recent movie we covered. And what if in Titanic, they just globbed on all this old (laughs) age makeup on Kate Winslet to be old Rose instead of getting Gloria Stewart. And would that have sunk the movie? No pun intended. Uh, Because that's something that's interesting when they choose to get another actor and when they choose to slap on old age makeup. Well, I guess with someone like, like Salieri, because how old was F. Murray Abraham at the time? I think he's in his fifties. Yeah, I was about to say he's yeah. he's old enough. That's true. That but adding then old age makeup is What did he say? It was silly. like thirty-two years later. Or yeah, thirty-two like that. years later. You're adding old age, but he's already like a mature person, as opposed to no. like we want. If there was old age makeup based. on like Tom Hulse, if you were, which yeah, yeah, which is like that. I totally, you know what? Good point. Titanic, you made the right decision. I, well, I think we all think that's true. Uh, I don't hear any arguments. But you kind of want to see 20-year-old Kate Winslet having to pretend oh, to be 100 years old, right? Uh, it I can was still the sexiest the time paint. of my life. Uh, let's get into it. The casting director of Amadeus was Mary Goldberg. Goldberg has also cast such films as Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Milos Forman's previous film Ragtime, Silkwood, and previous episode Alien or Alion. Alion. Uh, so let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast. Some of these people may have auditioned. Some may have just been discussed by casting. This is all subjective. And as always, I've looked up all the actors in advance, and Amy Joe is hearing it along with you, listener, for, for the, the very, very first, first time. time. So let's kick it off with that Antonio Salieri. Amy, what are your thoughts on F. Murray Abraham? And who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? He's so good. <laughs> I'm rubbing my temples. I can't believe how good this performance You look is. like you got like some kind of cuckoo crazy headache so over cuckoo there. cuckoo crazy. I love this performance. It really... This is the kind of thing that like as, as a ham mm-hmm. I love to do, which is like show off why don't i show off all the colors you know it's a role that unlike a lot of like narrator driven films or like oh because salieri is the audience proxy right so often those roles are a bit dull you know but this lets him have like the villainous turn happen halfway through in the like older timeline but he also gets to be like so earnest and 
And just like, I love music. I wrote you this march and I tied it up with a red ribbon, you know? And the film really benefits Salieri, I think, opposed to stage. Because everything to me is so much in these teens. It's just the reactions. Yes. It's all the reactions to Mozart. Every little cut, little dig that when Mozart's like, I mean, what could we say? Like, did you like it? Did you like it? Well, what could we say? But Salieri. You know what that reminded me of? I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I I was doing some show at this cabaret venue called 54 Below, and I was doing like the 930 show or something. Mm -hmm. And um, my friend and constant collaborator, Brian Nash, was seeing that show and was going to come play a number for me in this 930 show. So he had another friend in the audience, a friend of ours, Nathan Lee Graham, and they came. He was like, oh, come say hi to me, Joe. And they come upstairs. And I don't remember how this started, but Nathan starts saying, you know, when Judy Garland would go to see a show, everybody knew she was there. She had to go back. She had to go back and say hello. And if she didn't like them, she had to, they knew she was there. She had to go. And you know what she would say to them? How do you do it? How do do you do it? So then for like two minutes, Nathan Lee Graham and Brian Nash just at me, just go, how do you do it? How do you do it? How do you do it? Do and it. I always think of Salieri, that. How do you exactly. do it? Exactly. <laughs> it's like you were up there, you know. It's very that. But I mm-hmm. just started laughing thinking of Judy Garland as Amadeus. How oh, do you sure. do it? Sure, sure. I'm into that. Yeah. <laughs> but he's so good. Just this long-suffering indignation that just looks so good on F. Uh, but but if he said no or if it didn't work out, what who you who you gonna cast? Now here's the thing, and you and I talked about this. Possibly because it started life as a play, mm-hmm. it is easier to imagine other people doing this, yeah. you know? Possibly because I know, for instance, one of my first thoughts, and then I remembered, oh, yeah, it's because he played it originally was Ian McKellen. Oh, he sure did in that he, original Broadway production. Which I'm like, yeah, I want to see that. I mean, come on. So good. Other than Ian McKellen, I mean, I did have a, a lot of thoughts. My, my Kind of the one I'm most interested in is Jeffrey Rush. Mm. That to me feels like I can see the bitterness, but also just, you know, uh, I'd love to see him take that journey. Anthony Cher, who's a very famous stage actor who recently passed away, um, sadly, but he he's someone who, like F. Murray Abraham, has been working on the stage and on screen and everything since like the 70s and is just brilliant. We saw him play Falstaff in, in the West End, and he just always gives such a thoughtful, deeply calibrated performance. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, I could see him in this for sure. Um, I mean, obviously like Alan Rickman is like a duh. I feel like I also think, and we'll get to this when we get to Mozart, but like, I know that Tim Curry originated this part on Broadway, but I'm like, well, he could have aged into an interesting Salieri. Yeah. As he got a bit older and, and he started playing also more of the kind of like, dark kind of sour notes you sure, know sure um charles dance hey either die mozart you live to see you live long enough to see yourself become the salieri exactly exactly we're all oh just, charles dance sure charles dance who i, I always because i just saw this recently because uh charles dance is the villain of the arnold schwarzenegger and his movie last action hero it's a very meta action comedy if you haven't seen it which was originally supposed to go to alan rickman but they couldn't afford him so charles dance had a t-shirt made that says <gasps> I, i'm misquoting but it's something along the lines of like i'm cheaper than alan rickman uh, that he had made to walk around on set for so I, I i love charles dance but i do always think of like when you couldn't get alan rickman yeah. you got charles yeah dance. that's that's you know 
but hey, if but it works for you, I got them both on my list. Alan Rickman to me is like top of my list of who I'd want. Well, she yeah. would be a little young at, at not, yes. which doesn't really he would, he matter. Would but, have been a little young at the time, but but is all the same. Incredible performance with Alan Rickman. It's an yeah. incredible performance that F. Murray Abraham. Absolutely. Um, let me see who else. Who else? Thinking more. Again, these are people who'd be maybe a bit over now. Well, I don't know. But like maybe a Patrick Page. Mm. Um, just someone who normally presents a bit like more bullish sure. than but um than than F. Murray Abraham, but like see him a new splashy Broadway revival with Patrick Page as Sally. Yes, like yeah. I feel like I could see that happening sure. today, you know? And because you can't you can't keep him away, Daniel Radcliffe as Mozart. <laughs> well, <laughs> Okay. It's not terrible That's casting. That's not terrible casting There's casting I'd rather have, but I so see Daniel Radcliffe. I mean, he's playing Weird Al right now in this biopic. Well, and he and he did, you know, Equus, another Peter well, Schaefer sure. play, as, as his, like, Broadway debut. He was like, I'm going to get naked and show you all I'm no longer a little wizard boy. <laughs> I really thought you were going to say, I'm going to get naked and show y'all <laughs> my wand. <laughs> That's not where I was going with that, but. And thankfully, because I would say, was, how dare you how dare show. You. Now, this is this is someone who like occurred to me and I don't he's a bit young for it now. And I really can actually see the young Salieri. I'm I'm having a hard time picturing this guy in a ton of old age makeup, but partially it's because all these people I'm thinking of are people that I know what they look like older now. Sure. They're already a bit older and I don't know how well he would play this bitterness, but he's a very fine actor. So I'm kind of like, hmm. So I'm like, what about like Dev Patel? Ooh, as Sally Because I really yeah. I mean, see still, that, like, earnest. I know he's, sure. how old just is so, he? He's, like, so young. younger than still I am. so young for it. Um, but but yeah. he's not a Mozart yeah. energy. That's, you know, he's got, like, a lot of, like, enthusiasm. But I don't think he's, like, quite know. that chaotic. I don't know. No? I'm interested. He, right. he, once he grew out that hair and he became, like, a real smoke show guy as well. It was, like, thinking of him and, I mean, it's very different, but him and David Copperfield. He's just, like, a very physically interesting. He's, he's grown into a very physically interesting actor. Mm-hmm. So I could see I could see. it's also because age wise he's more right for Mozart right Correct. now. But I, I get I, but I, I'm I do picking up what you're putting I'm down. Interested. Sure, I'm interested. Sure, sure. I'm interested. I because I think it's kind of like what what you've said before, like cast for the final color. Mm. But I, I you know, in looking at this, I think it's a lot easier to find that final color and a lot of older actors oh, as opposed sure. to like right. how can you find someone that also has like that gentleness and that can you can really believably buy this kind of like the, the Iago of it all, you know, someone who yeah. like Mozart doesn't actually see is the is the person who is undermining him. Yeah, very true. Uh, yeah, definitely Alan Rickman, Charles Dance. Uh, I could see a Jeremy Irons. I'd oh, yeah. be like real interested in. I would love a Ben Kingsley, I think, is giving me oh, yeah. everything oh, that I so want. Right. I think of that long-suffering indignation, someone who is doing a lot with just the smallest of looks. Give me that Anthony Hopkins. Oh, sure. Uh, I could see a Michael Caine. I I'm I'm really. I was digging. thinking about Michael Caine. I do think that yeah. I think I was also thinking Jeffrey Rush, which is make me because of right. Quills. You know, mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. thought like there's some, you know, not just because they're both like imprisoned uh, yeah. later in their lives, but um, but Michael Caine's also in that that movie. Yeah. Um. So I, that's true. He is. That made, that made me think. I'm not. I'm not like crazy about it but like if this was made in 2000 jeffrey rushes or salieri and joaquin phoenix Phoenix as your mozart Mozart. interesting i feel like joaquin is a more natural salieri just the like brooding kind of thing but i didn't see this joker sure sure (laughs) 
didn't see this. And maybe Joker. that would change it. Uh, and I'm listing him again as Mozart because that's who I'm more interested in. But I could see like today a Kevin Klein now as Salieri. Oh, yeah. I'm interested in. He to me is someone that's really like started as a Mozart and has grown into like the Salieri. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Um, so F. Marie Abraham originally read for Count Orsini Rosenberg, who's like the other real critic of Mozart's in the court. Mm-hmm. Um who F who Salieri often is like able to use as like, you're the more vocal one against him. So I'm yeah. using you is to kind of director, as my mouthpiece. The guy with the glasses. Yes. The yeah. guy with the glasses. Yeah. yeah. He, that guy's great. Oh, he's great. Just but, the, the constant looks as though he's like smelling garbage. <laughs> and I could so see why F because yes. this was like F Murray Abraham did not, this is like his big breakout role. Yeah. Like he was in a few things and the year before a Scarface, he's got a sizable role in Scarface, but like that, is mainly like Scarface was like kind of was like oh who's this guy and then Amadeus really put Sometimes him on the map. Sometimes if next you're year. just the right person and you can yeah. deliver, woo! absolutely. So he learned to read and conduct music for the role, wow. which is great. Uh, and which yeah, I think is great. Is great. <laughs> uh, well, just as help, and I mean we'll get into. It, but Tom Hulse learned to play the piano for this movie. What he knew how to play guitar. And Milos Forman said, well, we can fake it, but it'd be great if you could learn some piano. And so over the course of six months, he learned how to do all the piano that you see in this movie. Yeah. If you know exactly what you're going to do, it does help. But he seems like a virtuoso. He's playing it upside down. Yes. For real in that scene. Yeah. Bananas. Um, And so probably not as difficult as learning that, but still to me difficult is learning to read and conduct music. Particularly of a certain complexity. Right. So. As for the actors actually up for Salieri, I was yeah. about to say actually up for F. Marie Abraham. That's not right. <laughs> uh, Donald Sutherland oh, read. And I see it. I dig that. Because Milos, sure. I think there's a few Brits we'll get to, but Milos was, did was like I, he wanted to cast Americans in the in the leads. I don't know why he specifically was like, we. that's what Maybe we need. Maybe because of exactly what we talked about. It's like not wanting it to seem like we're trying Stuffy, to do some. Yeah, period exactly. Piece. Yeah, I guess. I guess. But Donald Sutherland, I'm, yeah. I'm really into. I really Donald, like that. Um, is he not American? Maybe Canadian. He's either Canadian I, or American. Yeah, but he's North American. Not, North American. Not yeah. English. Yeah. No, not English. Right. Donald Sutherland's not like, English. Because I think that's like the thing. I think it's him and Jenna Malone are the only non-Brits in that Pride and Prejudice. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sam Waterston auditioned. Oh. Uh, 1984 is, he, he was doing The Killing Fields, which is his, as of yet, only Oscar nomination for lead actor. He lost to both, or he lost, he didn't lose to both F. Murray Abraham and Tom mm-hmm. Hulse, but he lost to F. Murray Abraham. Uh, and he was also in a movie called The Boy Who Loved Trolls, uh, which I just as a title, the I boy. am delighted by. You were the boy who loved, there was a movie called uh, The Boy Who Loved <laughs> the Trolls. The Boy Who Loved, the movie, The Boy Who Loved Trolls. Uh, so he had, a, he had a busy year as well. And um, Burt Reynolds was considered. Nope. No, thank you. <laughs> nope. It's hard for me to picture Burt Reynolds, the like, yeah, so uh, then I said, hey, God, I'm not going to touch a woman. Yeah. If we get Burt Reynolds as Salieri, then we have to have Tom Selleck as, uh, Ooh, as Mozart. Now that is one sexy, mustachioed movie. Mistake. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so instead of like the wigs, he's got like a little mustache wig <laughs> to cover his own mustache, like a little more, or like, ex- like mustache extensions like, maybe? Like, yeah, how you can have those glasses that you can swap, they're magnetic, yeah. and you can swap different oh, colors on the frame, oh, but you just have go. a magnetic mustache. Magnetic mustache, that Burt Reynolds. Okay. But yeah, that's what I'm really having trouble. Like, yeah, so anyway, I told God I'm going to be celibate. 
bit, babe. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, also, Lord. yeah, I wouldn't mention, but F. Marie or Salieri here with this uh, the celibacy. He's a real proud boy. Yeah, you were like, uh, he said something about Christine Ebersole's character. Where he's just like, like she, I never let a hand She was mine, but I loved her. She was mine. You yeah. see, and you're like, you went something like, wow, incel Salieri. I was like, well, I don't, I think he is voluntarily right. celibate. Voluntary. Right. He's a proud boy. Exactly. <laughs> Salieri would be there on January 6th. I'm just telling you now. Uh, instead, in 1984, Burt Reynolds had Cannonball Run 2. So this oh. sure would have been a better pick, but a worse movie for it. For everyone. For everyone. But let's move on to Constance Mozart. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Elizabeth Berridge, and who would you cast if you had to on- cast someone else Costanza oh also I should mention I forgot to mention earlier that yes E. McKellen originated the role on Broadway uh Frank Langella was one of the replacements right also a great option yeah. and there was a Broadway revival which I forgot about in 1999 with Poirot himself David Suchet okay now I'm into that Salieri. because you know what David Suchet is good at acting yeah <laughs> long-suffering indignation very good at that acting yeah. oh yeah he'd be fantastic yes in this. and so uh, Constance Mozart it was Jane Seymour in the original yes. Broadway cast uh so thoughts on Constance and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else. Yeah, this was was tricky. I have no relationship with Elizabeth yeah. Barrett other than this film. I'm not really sure. I mean, she was very young when she, she did true, this too, but like her know? career just kind of never she's she well, was particularly she did, she was doing if stuff, but that big scene has been cut. True. That's true. a lot of where we're really seeing a lot of her yeah, uh, there's we'll still there's a still quite a few scenes there that are like just of these blowouts between her and yes, Mozart. Yeah. You know, I I really like her. I feel like I had as I was saying to you before we started recording, like I I know what I want from an actress playing this part, but I had trouble coming up with ideas. I mean, I have a yeah. couple, but like I want someone who just you feel like has a lot of mischief mm. in them, and um, but then who who can like grow up and has this like spine you know and uh, yeah someone who you feel like can hold their own against mozart against the yeah. like cannonball that is mozart so i thought like the first person that came to mind was like a young emma stone oh like someone who i yeah. could like buy this kind of like giggly stuff. i'm just thinking of her in the favorite in particular oh, sure. and like all the different colors she's playing in that yeah. i was like uh, i think those would be yeah. useful and then well, this is when she like i mean she was like 17 when she did super bad but she always had that deep voice and she yeah. already she came it feels like she came onto the film scene like so fully formed fully realized and so like absolutely with so much power yes. behind her uh so i love that as yeah. someone that when you're she's like 17 and she could be coming in and be bossing people around you know a more kind of clown comedic take on this is lucy punch very true i feel like she could certainly give um <laughs> mozart uh, a run for his money with the laugh <laughs> the laugh alone but she's also you know i haven't seen her do that much dramatic work but i do think it's also because she's just like very funny she gets kind of shoehorned in yeah. that way a lot um and then this is this is a, a I, I'm I'm not sure that I have because I haven't seen everything everywhere all at once, but I have seen this actress on stage. Um, so I can see the first color very easily. I'm not sure about the second color, but perhaps you've seen that movie. You'd have a, a better idea. But Stephanie Shu. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, she she's like becomes an incredible badass. OK. By the end of everything she's, everywhere. I, I, I've seen her once. on stage and she's very funny and and uh, like excitable in a way that I think would work really well for the first half of the film. And yeah. then you've seen the other yeah. information. She'd so. be great. 
She'll be great. Yeah, I, I liked Elizabeth Barrage in this. It's she just looks like a baby. When she's shots. holding her son at one point and you just see the side and you see those big cheeks she has. Eleven. It was like it looks like a it looked like a, our niece. Uh, yeah, like, she, uh, yeah, exactly. She's like, I'm holding my baby brother. <laughs> yeah, so it's Jane Seymour in the original Broadway cast. I could see if this was made in a decade later, so like 1994, 95, I could see a sense of sensibility Eric Kate Winslet. Oh, I think it's giving me what I yes. want. Um, around that time of who would be like the right age, I could see like a young Marsha Gay Harden. I could hmm. see a young Annette Benning. Oh, yeah. Oh. Leah Thompson. This is like right before Back to the Future. Age Leah Thompson. This is Miranda Richardson is the right age around this oh, time. I'm well, interested. we know she is very funny and also can give oh, you yeah. the drama. And if this was made in like the late 90s or so, like I could see Maggie Gyllenhaal came to mind. Think mm. of her in Secretary. Someone yes. that you could be, un- you underestimate this person and you're like, oh, you're going to get walked all over. That's a great way of putting it. It needs to be someone who you can underestimate yeah. very easily because they all do that first shot. Not, well, not the, not her first scene because we first see her, meet her in that scene where Salieri's hiding and the like where all the food's set up. But like where we first formally meet her as the fiance where she and her mother get like pulled up onto the stage by the guards and the whole like male like court is right, staring right. at them like literally looking down at them it's such a br- <laughs> brilliant way to introduce them formally you know <laughs> oh, that mother-in-law just whacking the guard's legs to be like me too me too me too pick me up pick me up that mother-in-law barbara Byrne, barbara Byrne. who i was looking at her i was like wait why do i know this woman and then we looked and i was like oh barbara Byrne, who was jack's, jack's mother, mother in the in, pbs into the woods in the original broadway in company OBC. and i was like oh that's why i've looked yep. at your face yep. so many hours <laughs> of my life uh, <laughs> uh and made today two actresses who came to mind uh olivia cook of thoroughbreds and sound of metal and thomas and mckenzie of jojo rabbit and last night in soho are giving me what i want where you're like oh you're you're like a tiny little thing like i'm gonna write you off I'm like oh no you have like immense power mm-hmm. uh that you are hiding uh so elizabeth barrage during the sima salieri were the nipples of venus scene right. did not it's know a candy it's a candy yes she did not know that she could spit out the candy which was oh. just lumps of marzipan so she ate about 15 whole pieces uh and later described how she thought they were disgusting and, and made herself sick so People like just help the little. Help. She's clearly a wee bear. And- spit, get spit buckets. Get chum buckets for your actors. Don't be make. Don't be getting sick. Yikes. Uh, so who replaced Jane Seymour on Broadway, and who Milos Forman wanted to repeat her Broadway role was Amy Irving. And she occurred to me for the hair alone. You know, <laughs> around this time, just like sumptuous hair. hair. Yeah, but um, it's true. I just don't see the the high octane. But again, yeah. I haven't seen all of Amy Irving's work. Um, she Mary always Liental. reads to me. Uh, well, and Carrie, yeah. Oh, and Carrie. She of course, always of reads to me as very, um, like there's a reserve about her mm. that I think is partially compared to Mozart. Maybe there's some reserve, but I think part of it is that like she is they're they're both like id creatures they're like both released into this energy and she also has to represent like what the father is going to look down on the working class about so she needs to at least have some of that kind of like you know she's she's not a very good housekeeper she's like kind of all over the place they're both drunk and loud all the time you know and yeah. I just, I have a, not a harder time seeing that from Amy Irving. Yeah. Yeah. Although maybe she, you know, she did it on the Broadway. So maybe, maybe there's something there that yeah. we just aren't 
be able to see. But regardless, she passed, uh, unable to cope with the idea of six months in Prague. That's how long this took. Wow. And I'm like, six months in Prague? Sign me. When do we leave? <laughs> uh, so then Meg Tilly of Agnes, Agnes of Agnes of God mm-hmm. and the Big Chill had been cast, but tore a leg ligament <gasps> in a street soccer game the day before no. she was to film her first scene and had to be replaced. Oh, that always sucks. Uh, oh my, just heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. We have a friend who like booked a, a big job and then she tore a ligament and she she couldn't do it. They had to recast her and she was, <sighs> it was like a big TV job and Oof. it's that's it's just like what do you do? What you you do? just don't get to do the project. Yeah, it's horrible. And then you're rehabbing a torn ligament, which is awful. Yeah, all bad, all bad. If you can't do it, you want it because something, some other amazing job came oh, along. Sorry. And you're like, oh, I had to turn it down because I was doing this. I have to spend six months on the moon. Right. <laughs> I'm filming on the moon. <laughs> it's very prestigious. Uh, so then Rebecca De Mornay tested, which uh, Risky Business was the year prior. Uh, I've only seen half of that movie. And Runaway Train. I haven't seen any. Um, but I did see Runaway Train, which is the year after. So I, like s- right I expected Risky Business to be fun. And you know what? Not fun. It's not. Well, it's just not totally they trick you. that. They trick you with Tom Cruise dancing be, in his undies. Yes. I thought it was going to be more John Hughes-esque and it's mm. more, it's not that at all. And I was like, well, I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching it at a friend's place and we were like, I think we're good. Bard. Bored. Bard. 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 It wasn't like a, like a sexy time of a movie. I don't remember. It was, it was kind of like. Maybe you didn't make it to the sexy time. We I saw. Seemed, I, we I assumed saw, it was like a sexy movie. I don't. Getting, it's risky. I think so. I think there are like some sex scenes. I think there are, if I'm remembering correctly. But like, it was also just kind of like more of like a mm-hmm. gritty, serious movie. And I was like, I, eh, I want. Well, I don't know, doing. hijinks or something. Yeah. Not not a hijink to be found. Not a hijink to be found. Disappointed. <laughs> uh, and Elizabeth McGovern tested, who had played oh. Evelyn Nesbitt in Mila Schwarman's previous oh, film *Ragtime*. Did I or did I not start singing when the the opera started and, and they had the one girl swinging it? Started singing. Uh, swing. Uh, and then Jeff jumps in. <laughs> you know, Mila Schwarman directed the film of *Ragtime*. <laughs> Uh, and then she, uh, audiences might, you might, or listeners, you might know her also as Cora on Downton Abbey. It's like her big thing. Do you know how nowadays. I know it? How? Fairy tale theater. Fairy tale theater. Well, you know why she couldn't be doing Amadeus? It's because she was too busy doing Snow White in Fairy tale uh, theater. Opposite with Matthew this Broderick. Year with, uh, oh, with Matthew Broderick in Snow White? Oh, no, sorry. He was in, he was in Cinderella with Jennifer Beals. Yes. This was Snow White with Vanessa Redgrave as the evil queen. Oh, trust. She, when she turns into the old hag, she has long nose hairs. Oh. Believe me, young Aaron Jackson and young Amy Jackson love those nose come, hairs. Not loved, fascinated, <laughs> fascinated by, by those nose hairs. Uh, and Vincent Price as the magic oh, mirror, killing it, <laughs> killing it, magic mirror style. And she also was doing Once Upon a Time in America with Robert De Niro. So you know, you you decide, listener, on which was the the better option. Either way, she couldn't do Amadeus, but she was either working with De Niro or she was doing Fairy Tale Theater with Vanessa Redgrave, Vincent Price. So and either way, Duvall. she was doing. Fine. And of course, was Shelley she, she Duvall in that? No, but she's the exec produce. Sure, 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 sure. I'm Shelley Duvall. Hi, I'm Shelley Duvall. Hello, <laughs> I'm Shelley Duvall. Tonight's tale. Uh, yeah, she's lovely enough, but I've seen one episode of Downton and I was like, there well, we go, that's enough. But you can now, because you've seen that fairy tale theater, that's the exact age she would have been if she had been cast in Constance. She's so very young. They age. clearly were going yeah. for a wee little baby. We want a baby. Um, but we're moving on to Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Wolfie. 
Amy mm-hmm. Joe, your thoughts on Tom Hulse as Wolfie, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? As we said, it was Tim Curry in the original. Broadway. He's great. He's great. He's also just like not, I think it's because he's American. It, it's just like, I don't know. There's no um, pretense to the performance, yeah. you know, that it, for a character who's just so id and so expressive and, and so all over the place, he's not posturing within that. Right. Like it just feels like, yeah, a spoiled brat who knows he's a genius and rightly so. It ju- I don't know. It just all feels very um, fluid to me. It all feels very yeah. from from the from the text um, and not put on. I guess that's what it is. It doesn't feel like put on. It feels very uh, it's coming from from inside. Uh, and I think he's so good. And I'm astonished he learned to play piano just for this because it just seems very. Yeah. Milish, oh, Milish Foreman said they could cheat it, but it'd be good if he learned. So he spent six hours a day for six months learning how to play the piano and every Mozart symphony that was in the film. Six hours a day. Six hours a day is what it is what this says. And maybe he took a day or two off. I know, but this is really telling me my 15 minutes a day playing the keyboard. (laughs) There's a reason I'm not very good yet. (laughs) You ain't playing Mozart tomorrow is what you're saying. Uh, No, 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 no. Unless it is a simple line played with the right hand only. (laughs) Wow. Um, Yeah, he's fantastic. Um, I feel like this is a role that would be yeah very easy to cast maybe not as easy to be a complete success in especially Um, if you also want him to be playing the piano although it's like well if you give him enough time you could apparently teach anyone it's also that i think the first part the kind of wild child is very attractive to an actor right but then to find someone who can drop in and do these later scenes and and drop back but still have the fervor underneath it without it feeling i don't know out of whack in any way i think it's really skillfully constructed it's a hard role to thread Mm -hmm. the needle and to do every single element that you need to really because i i think he's fine in this and it's also because i i don't i've never seen him in anything else except for hunchback of notre dame and even then you're only hearing it so i'm not It's only this. Whereas with F, I'm also able to attribute all the other things I've loved seeing him in. And with Tom Hulse, I'm just, he really does nail those later scenes. Because I like seeing it, I'm like, I like him in it. I I don't know. It's not like I have someone else that I'm like, why couldn't they get this person? But I I am like, because I know him from nothing else, I'm like, this guy is solid. I do think I I do prefer him in the, the later scenes. But that also might be because the character is intentionally... Yeah. Very annoying in the True. earlier scenes. I love you know? his choice that his laugh is almost like a tick, is like, seems like a nervous yes. oh, tick. Oh, absolutely. Um, which I think works great. Opposed to just being like, I'm laughing and everything is great. It is just like, this is awkward. And yeah. the, this awful nightmare laugh very, comes very, out. It's uh, very Alma and Summer and Smoke. It's a, who knows, maybe he stole it from Tennessee Williams himself. Maybe. Maybe um, he stole it. Well, Tom Hulse said that he based it on a very famous director he worked with who laughed in an identical manner. And as of 2016, he has still refused to name the director. Although he'd only had so many credits before this. And like the only famous director he'd worked with before this was an animal house with John Landis in terms of name directors. So I wonder if it was John Landis of blues brothers. Was he doing stuff on stage? Maybe, maybe that's true. It could be. I just assumed it was a film director, but, um, I don't know. Fascinating. Well, my first choice for this, Yeath. and really once I thought of it, I couldn't get out of my head, is Tom Hollander. Oh. Also, very uh, wee. Yes. Um, 
not Tom Holland, that baby That's Spider-Man. That's not who I mean. I mean, Tom, Tom Hollander, Hollander, the great British actor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He would have been a bit young for this, but um, not not all, not yeah. too, too young. Even 10 years later, he might have been about the right the right age. But he's, I think Tom Hollander is just one of the best actors that there is. He plays awkward. So, I mean, yeah. if you don't know who I'm talking about, he's he's Mr. Collins in the Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice. He's in In the Loop. Yeah, he's um, the... PM, I think. Yeah. No, no, he's, no, the, he's not the PM. Not he's the, PM, he's the, the um, uh, well, either way, he's the one that he's kind of kicks off in the he's loop. He's not by the prime minister, but he's the saying that uh, member is, of parliament. He's the, the member. Yes, yes, he's the one saying MP, that war is there we go. imminent. I was like, MP. wait, those letters sound right. right. I just um, had me scratch that, reverse it. But he's, he, we've seen him on stage on Broadway. Um, I, he's in Gosford Park. He's just someone who never misses. Like he's, yeah, he's always so thoughtful in everything that he does. And like, while I've never seen him do something quite this high octane, I, I am, I have full confidence Love it. that he could. And yeah. I, I think he'd be so good. Um, this is, this is not quite his clown. Mm-hmm. However, he also plays the piano already. And I Uh-oh. think he is so great. Hugh Laurie. Oh, sure. He certainly does stupid clown more. Sure does. But. I'm, I'm sign me up. I'm interested. I love it. I'm interested. I of course have Andrew Scott on the list. Same, same, same. Would be incredible. Would he'd be, be amazing. Truly perfect. Oh, I thought maybe a young John Leguizamo, as far as okay. someone who was like, yeah, you know, very mm-hmm. physical. Yeah. Also, really, really, very intentional with everything he does, and so I would, I think he would craft that arc really spectacularly. I like it. Another like full throttle person. Um, this is, this is someone who, I don't know. It's a bit of a weird choice, but Billy Magnuson, <laughs> I just think of like, who's someone who you believe is like all id and is just out there being sure, like, sure, sure. Billy Magnuson of, in terms of his big theater actor, but in terms of his film stuff, he was in game night. He was in Rapunzel's Prince and into the woods. He's, sure. uh, Cato Kalin in the, um, OJ Simpson, uh, Ryan right, Murphy right. situation. Jake Gyllenhaal as Mr. Music. Um, uh, huh. <laughs> Mr. Music for the John Mulaney, was it sack? The sack lunch bunch. Sack lunch bunch. Yeah. Point Mr. is, freaking music. You no, know he can really go for it. Um, for uh, someone who could do it today. Now, I I love this actor personally and professionally. I don't know. I don't know if he is like up to the full scope of it, but I would be interested to to see him have a go because he's very skilled. But like Noah Galvin. Might oh, be a very interesting yeah. young, I mean, because he also is someone who like plays with a lot of color and theatricality, yeah. has a lot of stage and screen experience. He could be very interesting. True. True. Um, and yeah, them, them's my thoughts. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I mean, if you want to do it today, he's real good at that acting. I think if you if you just really want to highlight the youngness of it all, like the wonderkin, like a Timothy Chalamet. I get. I I, you're I recommending him for everything that someone young needs to do. Well, he's one of our best young actors. I guess that's I've what never I'm seen saying. Him in and anything, I'm saying so. if you want to see, mm, yeah, I'm trying to think if you've seen him in anything. You probably have, but he was when he was just so 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 young. I really but, don't think I have. Well, regardless, uh, as I said before, there was the 1999 Broadway revival. Yes. So two David Suchet's Salieri. Michael Sheen. I thought as you were going to say Michael Shannon. Yeah, that's and me, I was like, Mozart. Excuse me. 
Yeah, well, why Why doesn't the, what's he mad at me? Why doesn't he just appoint it to me? I'm the goddamn best. David Suchet is not a tall man, and Michael Shannon is extremely tall. So you're having to Make cut way, all bub. that language about, like, that small man. Oh, unless you're, unless Salieri developed a sudden sense of humor. Um, <laughs> no, not Michael Shannon. Michael Sheen. He's great. Who's great? I'm I was like, Michael well, and Sheen him and Frank Frost Langella, Nixon. of course, did Frost Nixon together. Yeah, so that I know. Way. Which is so funny because that was like eight years after this, which that I heard of the Frost Nixon. But 1999 was just before my time that I was knowing about yeah, what was going yeah. on on the Broadway scene. Um, I mean, it didn't also did not last long. The revival, but uh, I'm digging that. I'm kind of more interested in Michael Sheen's Good Omens co-star, David Tennant. Oh! Give me that young Tennant. Come on! This wouldn't actually be good, but he plays the <laughs> piano. Dudley Moore. I'm like, what? What? Him as Arthur. There like, is, what? There is a what? version. If this is that, more of a comedy, this yes. is more of a comedy, you could well, give me Dudley see, Moore. He also, I cry during those Hobson scenes, That's you true. know? But along with the more comedy version, imagine a Martin Short. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, okay, let me tell you what I'm imagining, which is kidding my mind. It's like, what if he's Salieri, but his old age makeup is just Jiminy Glenn? Oh, no. <laughs> no. Um,. Oh, but but like specific, but specifically, this is like to the Michael Caine Salieri is Martin Short or just due to different scoundrels, Steve Martin yep. as Mozart to yep. Michael Caine Salieri. Yes. Uh, or really, this is like the where I would want Kevin Klein, like young Kevin, like 1984 uh, Kevin Klein. Like on. that's pretty great. Okay, if we're doing like duo pairings, then Hugh Laurie as Mozart and Stephen Fry as Salieri. Oh, you know? yes, yes. Then now that is a bit of Fry and Laurie that I wish we'd got in. <laughs> Uh, and, I see what you did and there. And honestly, it's it's specifically the way that Tom Hulse is playing it because it's only like two years after this is Ferris Bueller. I could see Matthew oh, Broderick yes. in this. Yeah, I could absolutely see like that Ferris Bueller. Like, ain't I a stinger? I'm getting away with everything. It just transplant mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. into Mozart. I think would work. But my two favorite ideas is around this time he'd be very he'd be very young, but would work. Gary Oldman. Thinking of him, you combine him and as Sid Vicious and Sid and Nancy. Oh, I forget that he did that. Yeah. With the trappings of him as Beethoven in Immortal Beloved and a little bit of him in The Professional. But like, if you shake up that into a cocktail, I think Gary Oldman, you're getting a dynamite performance. Yeah. Uh, Or honestly, I'm like, this is what he did, especially in his younger days, Robert Downey Jr. Of like a live wire. Think of him as Chaplin, him in like stuff like Less Than Zero, where he he still runs so deep, even when he's like a manic clown. Yes. Um, But I think that if this was made like five years later, even, Robert Downey Jr. would have knocked this out of the Mm -hmm, park. mm -hmm. Um, So, as for the actors who were actually considered, now this does not jive with the idea of Tom Hulse having six months to learn. But the number one thing that I saw was that Kenneth Branagh was reportedly replaced by Tom Hulse at the 11th hour when Foreman decided he wanted Americans for the leads. So maybe in pre-pre-pre-production, yeah. Kenneth Branagh was like, it's going to go to you, kid. This is going to be your big break. And then Foreman got cold feet and was like, I want Americans. I don't want this to be yeah. feel like a certain type of prestige film. And then Tom Hulse, because having six months in preparation, I'm like, that is a long 11th hour. Yes. But but it was a slow shoot. So right. I now, guess a true. time is relative. Well, that's true. That's true. Now, Kenneth Branagh, I, I can buy the ego. 
<laughs> I can get the I do I'm think, the best. I do think young Kenneth Branagh was also we forget how big a deal those hot shots coming out of Rada were and like what that meant. Even well, even thinking now, like when Ben Wishaw came out of Rada, I did a summer program there while I was in college and they, you know, our, our teacher was talking about, he was like one of the higher up teachers and he was one of the people that like consulted on like what they were allowed to do for their showcases. And he was saying they never allow students to do Hamlet. Mm. Kenneth Branagh got to do Hamlet and he <laughs> and said, and Ben Wishaw. Ben Wishaw. And then yeah. Ben Wishaw went on the next year to play in the West End. Ooh, ah! Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know, it's it's also like the, what that means when Rada is saying we're going to showcase you as student with the role, like what that's saying to the entertainment industry, what buzz that's intended to generate and yeah. like what a hot shot he was from the jump, you know, yeah. so I can see them wanting to go with also someone who is like the young guy with the buzz. Absolutely. Totally. I 100% get that. Uh, Tim Curry auditioned after playing the role mm-hmm. on Broadway, which he'd be great. Yeah. He'd be great. Yeah. Because um, he was replaced on Broadway by, amongst other people, Mark Hamill, who also oh, right. auditioned, which is wild yes, to correct. picture I, that. I have trouble with that. Same. And I love that Mark Hamill, but that doesn't feel like I feel the... like Mark Hamill's doing it on Broadway to get people to continue to come. Not that he wouldn't sure. give a good performance, but is it a great performance? Right. Well, t- here's a talk about a name that you're putting in your movie because you want people to come, especially in 1984. Mel Gibson no. auditioned. No. And nothing about that is what I want. No. Doesn't work. Doesn't fit at all. Not for me. As like Wonderkind, like clown, like flatulent, like no. That shot, like one of the first shots of him when he like goes out, like he's been the the archbishop is like get out of here, and he he goes and the doors are shut behind him, and then everyone starts applauding, like the yeah. crowd, and and Mozart just throws the doors back open, looks him dead in the eye, and then turns around and bows. <laughs> so it's like partially my ego here, and then it's like, and here's my. Yes. You yeah. know, it's like what a beautifully formulated shot and introduction to this character. I see that ego on Gibson, but I just don't see this kind of mischievous sprite. Right. You you want yeah, he can't be like a matinee. And Tom Hulse is a good looking guy, but you can't have like a movie movie no. star looks like matinee idol kind of guy. Which is why Billy Magnuson to me is a kind of like uh, yeah. not quite right choice cuz I think he's like maybe too like Well, if we're doing another revival of Amadeus on Broadway, you know they want it to be a sexy Amadeus. Yes. Sexy Amadeus. Sexy Amadeus. Um Peter Mc Nickel audition. <gasps> okay. Oh, why did I not think of Peter McNichol? That is great. <laughs> I dig that. That a is lot. great casting. Because I think this is post Sophie's like, choice. Probably I one think year. Sophie's choice was like yeah. in 82, 81, or yeah. whatever. Uh instead, in nineteen eighty four, he was doing fairy tale theaters the boy, the boy who, who left, left home, home to find out about the shivers with old spicer lovejoy himself what? david warner oh, and, and christopher lee as king vladimir v yes but also i think frank zappa is in that one. Oh, you're possibly right <laughs> really, and i did not write that down it's uh it's very funny because obviously i watched fairy tale theater long before i watched uh-huh. sophie's choice you don't say so to um to have watched that in my youth and then see Sophie's Choice. It's a yeah. real, yeah. real different vibe. A little bit. Peter Mernickel, so funny. I mean, yeah. obviously, Adam's Family Values, like, 
classic. So good. Up until like he, whenever he would pop up on Veep, oh my god. Well, I said he was on Ally McBeal. He was on some yes. big show. Yeah, I believe Ally McBeal. Yeah, was but like, like his big thing for a he while there. Always kills. But as we also know from Sophie's Choice, like he's got the depth. He yeah. can. Ooh, I'm into that. I dig it. Andrew Lloyd Webber said in a 2013 interview that he was offered the role (laughs) and turned it down. Because he can't act? I'd imagine not. As he's, well, he he is not. We've not seen him act or show off his abilities to not act. (laughs) No, he has shown off his abilities to not act. By not acting. Okay. Well, 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 that's what I'm saying. We haven't seen, I can't judge him as an actor. I've not seen him as an actor, but I'll tell you what I don't want to do is have to bother judging him as an actor. You know what? I'd rather judge him sight unseen. I've seen videos of him doing promo for things where he's like singing. And I'm like, (laughs) I've seen videos of him talking. That's enough for me. Oh man. Um, There's some video where they were doing promo for, for cats with him and Taylor Swift. (laughs) Cause (laughs) she wrote that song, like beautiful ghosts ghosts, or something. Oh, she says something absolutely bananas at the end where she's just like talking about like T.S. Eliot. And she's like, well, you know, if you can't get T.S., get T.S. <laughs> and I think I screamed at my laptop. <laughs> I couldn't believe the audacity of saying that. But like the two of no. them were like singing through something together. And I was oh, just like, dear. I was absolutely hate watching a lot of Cats sure, content back sure. in the day. But, oh, you um, got You got to get on that hate watch Cats point content. Is, he's, I see it visually. But from no. every other craft standpoint, mm. other than I can no. technically play the piano, no. I want no. nothing no. to do with it. No. What about this? David Bowie was considered. I don't know what I was like, what David are we going with here? I was very perplexed. <laughs> David Lee Roth. David Hyde Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> David Hyde Pierce, today a Salieri Great. is giving me everything I want. Check Give it. all Give the it. boxes. Um, I mean, the ages don't match up, but if you used to do like the Libet revival, him, David Hyde Pierce, Salieri, and, uh, Ma- and Mark Rylance as uh, Mozart. Young Mark Rylance I mean, as Mozart like, is wild. I feel like we I'm saw kidding. his Mozart I mean, by seeing Libet, you know, in a way. Yeah, but, yeah, oh, yeah. No. Oh wow! Wow! Um, now I'm mad at these things yeah. that didn't happen. <laughs> David Bowie. It's not quite. It's I. I mean, I get it in concept. I get it. But it, when it, you want like the that's the thing is what's so cool is seeing Mozart and Salieri. The differences between high status and low status. Yes. Where Salieri reads so like high status, but is still so beneath. Yeah. Mozart in terms of the power that he holds, Absolutely. and Mozart reads he's so low status, but is. Just by sheer, like, I'm walk, but I, he owns the space. Yes. And it's also like, yeah, like if you're going by like a Commedia clowns, like yeah. Salieri's much higher up the food chain. Yeah. He's like one of the higher servant characters, you know, yeah. whereas and like. Bowie is hard to picture. Bowie in like is that very elegant. So elegant. And so that's why I don't think it quite works for Amadeus. Because, and not like he's someone who wouldn't allow himself to look ridiculous, yeah. but it's just, a, he moves like a, like a beautiful, like Jaguar or something like that, which is much more, I think, necessary for Salieri to present as like, yeah. it, it's, you know what, it's when Mozart's making fun of him at the party, when he like starts playing everything super square, the rhythms are super yeah. pedantic and square. Oh, and he's doing like Neanderthal face? Yes. Yes, exactly. Jeff's demonstrating it right now for your benefit. For this visual medium. Yes. Um, <laughs> but but when he's playing that, it's like, yeah, you need someone who is like, I follow the rules and that's 
and that's what's done, you know, and, and God will reward me for that, you know? And so yeah. that's why like, I look like this. He's not wearing a pink wig, you know, like Salieri's the most, he's elegantly put together, but is the most dressed down of all of them. His wig's very simple. It's the same color as his real hair, which is like nobody else in the film, which I think is a really yeah, cool choice. You know, true. it really separates him. And their conducting styles are so different. Mozart's wild and free, you know, and Salieri's like conducting like like Christopher Lee as Dracula or something like that. You know, he's like <laughs> his hands above his head and he's yeah. like so intense about it. But I feel like you need those differences like they're inherent in the text in the way that the movie's shot and i feel like that gives us as you're saying so much information about the way it's constantly subverting our expectations and salieri's expectations you know someone who's unpredictable is a lot more of a difficult adversary and um i just feel like david bowie is is not like an id creature no no i agree Mikhail Baryshnikov was considered. Same yeah. deal. No. More so. No. Because I've never actually seen him act in anything. And I've I was seen I that know one episode in... of Sex in the City he was in. I didn't see Sex in the City. I've seen maybe seven episodes. Well, but I've seen I think that he was one. in more than one episode. I think he was in like a, well, for a little while. I've spell. seen, I think I watched I looked up like, on YouTube. I, lo- I watched a clip of him on YouTube just out of curiosity. Um, but I've never seen him act. But looking up, I was like, oh, he's an uh, he was an Oscar nominated actor for The Turning Point with. Shirley MacLaine and Anne Bancroft. So I'm oh. like, okay, well, he, the guy got an Oscar nomination. The turning so. point. Is that a dance pun? I'm sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> and that sound oh, means it's time to play a quick round of Two Truths and Some Guy. The way it works. Two of the following actors were up for the role of Mozart and one was not. And Amy Jo is to guess which is which. Your options oh, this are is be wild. Paul McCartney. Huh. Mick Jagger Ooh. and Walter Matthau. <laughs> oh yeah. Wow. Sorry, that really got me. Walter Matthau as Wolfie. Yeah. You wait, you can't see it? No. Walter Matthau, exceptionally talented actor. Not like this. Not like this. <laughs> you, you can't see old Mr. Wilson. What character is that? Dennis the Menace. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. No. It was the first thing I saw him in because uh, I was there at the opening weekend of Dennis the Menace. Oh, my gosh. Because I, I well, I, I, you know, in anticipation for the film, my community had a Dennis the Menace lookalike contest, I which I came you. in second place for. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're welcome. Not too shabby if I say so myself. Um, uh, wow. Okay. Okay. Wow. I mean, of his frequent, you know, parents, I see Jack Lemon much more readily than I see Walter Matthau. Like Jack Lemon. Sure. Especially if you're talking like sixties era. Yeah, sure. Walter Matthau is like not the vibe. Um, who else? Wait, Paul McCartney and <laughs> I'm just and picturing Mick Walter Matthau is vibes. <laughs> vibes. Um, uh, Wow, 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 wow. Okay. If they're looking at Bowie, I mean, obviously two of these are musicians, so clearly like it, Walter Matthau is, we've never, I think, discussed this name on the pod. I don't see why I you would have. I feel like there's, I mean, unless you're just feeling really sneaky. Oh, you and your eyebrows <laughs> raised him like, I'm going to get you. I feel like it's so bonkers. It has to be. It uh, has to be true. Okay, well, no, I don't know. <laughs> uh, that evil laugh. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm 
trying to, I think, does Mick Jagger play piano or does he just play guitar? Paul McCartney, I know, plays piano. I'm going to say Mick Jagger is some guy. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Is it Walter Matthau? I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Oh, as far Paul- as I can tell, Paul McCartney was not considered. I mean, I don't think Mozart. he's a great choice for no, it. I can see, no. I can see Mick Jagger being more under consideration, but I was just purely yeah. thinking like Mick Jagger auditioned, and like, yeah, I could see it. I see it more than Bowie. Yes, I don't he's, want He's a it. bit wilder. Yeah. Just performance style wise. Um, I have seen him in a- act in one thing, this small movie no one saw that came out a few years ago called uh, The Burnt Orange Heresy with Donald Sutherland oh. and uh, Klaus Bang and Elizabeth Vicky. And he's quite good in it. He's only got like a few scenes, but he's kind of like a bit of a bit villainous. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, OK, you got some acting chops, Jagger. You know what this is making me think is that like young and I don't think this would have been the choice uh, at all but like a young elton john energetically it's like more what I, you want i almost put him as the fake one instead of paul mccartney yeah um yeah like that honestly feels, that i that get it cocaine fueled energy get- <laughs> is what you're after but um yeah i see it i, I still don't it's not what i want well, and he's in also some ways like, getting a musician to me pulls focus from from yes it takes me out of the movie to be lo- watching a musician yes do music known for other, some other mu- music yes. you know i mean even though it's a very different style True. of music it's still like elton john plays the crap out of a piano you know absolutely and yeah. as as we know yeah. if we've seen rocket man he studied uh you know classical music T- under taron edgerton as under a Harriet mozart today i'm, I'm Possibly. Possibly. I, I not feel quite that is exactly. That yeah, I not want. quite. Um yeah. but yeah, yeah. Walter Matthau. Yes. So according to Milos Forman's autobiography, one studio offered to fund the film on the <gasps> condition that Foreman cast Walter Matthau. How a rep- old was Walter Matthau at this point? I will tell you. Okay. Matthau, a reported Mozart enthusiast. Foreman refused the offer as he considered Matthau to be too old for the role since he was more than a 60 and Mozart only lived to be 35. <laughs> Walter Matthau was also one of those people who Just has Mozart. looked old since he was like 25. He was born with that mustache. But him trying to, just imagining him just trying to, like, oh, let me try to crawl under the table here to be pulling oh at you. Like, no. Walter Matthau, wow, wow. No, one hundred percent no. You maybe a Salieri. You want to put him as the as Joseph II. Put him that's, as the emperor. Yeah, maybe. that's what if I'm he's thinking, such a Mozart yeah. enthusiast, then he, he could be, could be in, in a Mozart the world. Movie. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, but not like this. Not, not like, like this. this. Uh, so those are all the characters that I found other casting options for. There are a few characters we didn't mention. I want to briefly touch on them. We have Broadway's Christine Ebersole as Caterina Cavalieri. This is one of the other scenes that they cut in theatrical is the dressing room scene. Oh. So instead, you really only get like this scene with her and Salieri where he's like going through like scales the, with her yeah, and she's saying that he like loves her and she's kind of inquiring after Mozart. Mozart. Then you cut to her. There's a beautiful cut where she's singing a high note in the lesson that then that same sound carries over and she's singing that same high note on stage in yeah. a Mozart opera. And then that is the scene where we really, we meet uh constance where she gets like pulled up on stage and where it's like this is my she's my the, 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 yeah the mother-in-law is like this he, she's his fiance which he clearly did not want known and so instead in this you just get katarina just whacks him with the flowers and storms off and that's when salieri is like in that moment now i knew that, that, that creature that, had had her i remember that cut 
And now that you're saying that, I do remember that because Which, I remember I would, we don't need the dressing room scene. No, you because know? that's enough. And then and he looks smarter to be like, as soon as she does that, like he realizes, yes. oh, she didn't know that he was engaged. Because I remember when we were watching it, I was like, this feels like a long time to make this discovery. And I think it's partially because I had some sense memory of it happening sooner. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So her role got cut down in the theatrical, unfortunately, but she makes a nice impact in what we get from her. And I think she's so charming. And it's so funny that they hired uh, an incredible singer, but, you know, she's not an opera soprano. So they dubbed her, which I guess, as I was saying to you, I was like, I guess it does make sense to hire an actual professional singer. So that you're going to be actually, you know, even though you're singing yeah. to a track and you're dubbed, like you're going to do it better than someone who's never sung before. Exactly. It still looks yeah. legit. It totally does. Yeah. Uh, Roy Dotris as Leopold Mozart, yes. the father. I mean, that shot when you just, he just appears at the top of the stairs Ugh. and draws those arms like a giant bat as Mozart's like, daddy, and running into his arms is so so funny. The juxtaposition of him looking so scary and Mozart like, daddy. Oh, but he's he's so good. He's, he's so excellent. good. Um, we have Jeffrey Jones as Emperor Joseph II. Uh, I know. I he's know. really good in this too. It is. It's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate because yep. the the stuff, the rules that we had from him, he's very good in. But um, nope. Yeah, yarp, yarp, and there it is. And there it is. I will say, great wig work from the wig designer. Great. On this. Oh, I mean. T- Top to bottom. Um, for everybody, but like, but the way they've styled that character oh, looks true. so like it just you can it's it's interesting seeing how they used wigs to also storytell. And like yeah. it's so sleek, it's so like beautifully quaffed and everything. And it's like, yeah, this guy is in charge. Yeah. Uh Simon Callow. Fourth build and doesn't appear until like and I two truly hours into the movie. did not recognize him with that dark hair. I was yes, like, oh, he, that's Simon Gallo. And then he, of course you see it and you're like, right. Right. He plays Emmanuel Shikander, who's the librettist of the magic flute and the one who kind of is like getting Mozart work. Come to the vaudeville. But in, yeah, very vaudeville. And so he played Mozart in the original London stage production of oh. Amadeus. So it's like that's the bone that you get thrown to you yeah. is you get to be fourth build in the movie. And you know what? It's a fun little role. He comes yeah. in and he makes a splash with what he has to do, you know? Absolutely. I think he's very good in this. Yeah. Uh, and we got to talk about Cynthia Nixon as Cynthia Lowell. Nixon. <laughs> What's the big deal about Cynthia Nixon? She's great. That's For what the big deal is. For my big the musical fans out there. And I know you're out there. Uh, yes. Yeah, at age 17, Cynthia Nixon played Laurel. Laurel. Who Salieri uh, employs to be the maid for Mozart. And like the a mole. Rich, and the mole. Yeah, this rich benefactor is giving us a free maid. And it's just her spying on them. And she is so good. Well, She's like on the verge of tears for 90% of her screen time. So good. Like, and it's so funny watching this. At one point, she like made some exit. I went, I'll be more famous than all of the rest of you soon. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, because I've seen Cynthia, young Cynthia Nixon in a bunch of like guest spots and things. Oh, yeah. Here she was already there, an accomplished know. child actor. Oh, yeah. Well, um, when did she do Hurley Burley and you know, The Real Thing? Was I mean, it that she was doing... and The Real Thing. She was doing two Broadway shows at the same time. Like, it had to she... be around this time. Yeah, because she's in the first act of Hurley Burley, and then she's not back until the very, very end. So she would film the first act, or she would do the first act of Hurley Burley. Go on Broadway, across the street, across the street to uh, do the real thing, and then be back in time for, for curtain call Act of Hurley Burley, yeah. Burley, which is a banana. When you think about what was loud on Broadway in the eighties, <laughs> what a time! <laughs> what a time! Because no way that would happen today. 
Yeah, so I, uh, her parents were nervous about her being abroad for filming as she was still trying to finish schooling. So it was agreed that if she didn't shoot for two days in a row, she'd be sent home. So I don't know if she actually wound up having to go shuttle, be shuttled back and forth between Prague and the States, or if they managed to just film all of her stuff in one chunk of time. Yeah. Um, but she, I don't know, I wonder in the theatrical if any of those extra shots of I hers gets were. cut. Because yeah. it feels like so many we're getting like in the funeral of Mozart, we get to cut to her reaction. Yeah. I mean, and as you said, when we were, yeah, when we were, when we were watching it, you were, you know, saying like, even if a lot of this was cut, it's just like, yeah, it's not, Oh, this actor is really good. Let's go to them, which I mean, obviously she is, but just being like, this is an epic. It's got scope to it. It's got scale. It is an opera, you know? And so by having, showing all of these different faces, you know, you, you get that. But of course, maybe for the theatrical release got trimmed a bit. I don't know if I would have recognized her if I hadn't seen that she was in this. I wouldn't have. I would have, I would have had to have looked this? it up. So I would have been like, I know, I recognize I would, this as someone yes. I know. I would recognize the face, but I wouldn't go, that's Cynthia yeah. Nixon. Like I did a few years later when she is a guest spot in Murder, She Wrote, because she's a little <laughs> bit older and she looks like herself. I was like, that's Cynthia Nixon. I'm not doing some weird sleepwalking, maybe killing people, you know? <laughs> oh, no. Well, it's Murder, She Wrote. It's not True. Murder, She Didn't Happen. No. You're, it's not murder. It, she didn't happen. That's murder. She didn't happen. She, murder. She didn't happen. Uh, no. Uh, I mean, Joe, final thoughts on Amadeus. Any moments we haven't talked about? Any uh, performances we haven't touched on? I think I was just really stunned by like the composition of a lot of these shots. Just the level of thought going into how they're being assembled. Like, for instance, in the scene that I now know was cut, where. Costanza has has come back to ostensibly to sleep with Salieri and so that like her husband yeah. can get this appointment and um he he like rings for the guard and the guard comes in and I, I, I'm gonna forget the exact sequencing of things but basically there's a shot over Costanza's shoulder maybe it's right before he reaches for the guard or something she's picked up the candelabra maybe to throw at him or something and the one of the candle flames has gone out so we're like seeing the shot over her shoulder she's holding the candle and then the the flames gone out and it's like just the dying smoke in front of Salieri as though it's just like some light inside him has died mm. or or like the mm. like where you you wonder what was his intention was he going to sleep with her you know like oh i i think he fully expected her to not show up i think it was fully like this way just to humiliate her. well it's humiliating but it, i think more beyond humiliating i to me because he's celibate i i assume that he was hope he just does he's like i'm gonna do something to make sure to there's yes. no way she'll agree to this and that way mozart won't get the position sure. but what i'm saying is when she does show back up yeah because if at this point he has renounced God, like yeah. I think by this point he has thrown the cross on the fire or no, maybe he does it after he reads the, after he, after the scene, when he reads yeah, the, I think that's after when he reads the, uh, the scores and sees like, no, that wasn't an accident. This right, had come right, from right. his brain. It's, it's, uh, I, I was just, there's so many ways I felt like that that could be interpreted. Is it like his lust? he just like puts puts it out it's like I, that's not what i'm gonna that's not how i'm gonna go about this you know but something about him standing behind this like dying smoke just things like that where it's just so like it, you can't attribute it to many different things as well as it just looking beautiful and being there's just something in a lot of shots like that there was a lot of like candles and all, just the way that the light is used and the way everything is shot you're just like oof the the detail that went into every aspect of this just pays off so tremendously a painting yeah yeah totally 
I'll end with two things. Uh, this film, ironically, helped spark a revival of Salieri's music, oh. which had previously languished in obscurity. And since the movie was not financed by a major studio, Orion Pictures promoted the film with a music video featuring David Lee Roth and cuts of Bruce Springsteen, Van Halen, Kiss, Michael Jackson, David Bowie, and Madonna dancing along to Mozart's Symphony No. 25 in G minor. So this was an independent film? Well, Orion Pictures is just not a major studio. I see, I see. So it's not independent, yeah, but right. it's still like they needed wow. help like in terms of the promotional aspects. Because this is a major budget to, yeah. uh, to achieve what we saw on that screen. Yeah. Because the budget, and this is also 1984 money, right. was $18 million, And then it grossed $51 million in the mm-hmm, U.S., mm-hmm. $52 million worldwide. Um, so it made back its money. So I, I mean, that's still that's a chunk of change in 1984, but it's, it's not not as much as it could have been. No, um, which is kind of surprising. I feel like, but it's also like F. Murray Abraham, Tom Holt, like these they're actors you're getting, they're not a lot in of money. the budget. All that money's going to and the you costumes know what that music and the is? public domain. <laughs> you I, know, you ain't paying a penny. I for did that. like that as soon as the Mozart movie started, I was like, they gotta be loving. <laughs> they can use all of this for free. <laughs> you know what? I bet they were. <laughs> Amy Jo, uh, Jeff, what are you recommending this week? I'm going to recommend a graphic novel, Jeff. Wow. Wow, indeed. It's called Fine, a comic about gender by Rhea Ewing. That is spelled E-W-I-N-G. I'm going to read you the back here. As graphic artist Rhea Ewing neared college graduation in 2012, they became consumed by a question. What is gender? This obsession sparked a quest in which they eagerly approached both friends and strangers in their quiet Midwestern town for interviews to turn into comics. A decade later, this project has exploded into a sweeping portrait of the intricacies of gender expression with interviewees from all over the country. It's really beautiful. It's uh, like very cool, excitingly drawn. There's a quote from Alison Bechtel on the front, uh, a significant and highly readable contribution to our understanding of the gender spectrum. But I'm really digging it. Uh, It came out this year. Um, So I'm recommending Fine, a comic about gender. Love it. Jeff. Amy Joe. What you recommend? Um, well, this movie of just really highlighting the beauty of music and like the power of music. I, I wanted to recommend my favorite book, Bel Canto by uh. Ann Patchett, which also uh, details like the power of music, specifically of opera. The short log line is a birthday party for a wealthy businessman in South America is overtaken by revolutionaries and what becomes a hostage situation, including the party's guests and the party's entertainment, a famed opera star slowly morphs into a community of like, like even beyond Stockholm syndrome is like this community of uh, friends and in some cases lovers as uh, this group, this spirit group like grows with the power of this opera singer's work and how that kind of changes a lot of these people's lives and i just think it's an incredibly beautiful piece they made it into a movie with julianne moore that i still have not seen did renee fleming not play the opera singer she does the singing for julianne moore also made an opera out of bel canto that they did in chicago a few years back which i've not seen obviously because i don't live in chicago um but the book i've read many many times and i love it a bit so that's what i'm bel canto b-e-l-c-a-n-t-o by ann patchett and that's what we're recommending this week do you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of 
Email us at analmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know. Follow us on Instagram if you want to know what movie we're doing next week and see our hilarious photos that we post there. <laughs> Folks, they're, they're pretty funny. They're hilarious. That's at and almost starring. Until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Joe Jackson. And thanks for joining us to see who almost starred. Almost starred.